What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man, and it is week 10, and we are getting ready to bet. I have my guy, David Ingberg, here with me now. David, how are you? I'm doing well. How you doing? Ooh, I like the how you doing, David Ingberg, taking it to the streets. I live in New Jersey uh, now. Hey, how talk. you doing? A uh, little bit later in the show, Crack Daddy, of course, Crack Wins app. Check it out. And also... Chris Collinsworth is going to join us. Going to talk a little bit about the Sunday night game that he's covering, Patriots-Ravens. He has a phenomenal story about Senor Joe Burrow that I think will get you excited about him and a number of other stories about analytics and how certain teams in the NFL are trying to win and the rest are kind of trying to stay the same. Great interview. I enjoyed it. You like the combo, right? Uh, the combo of Chris Collinsworth? Yeah. He's the GOAT. I mean, he, he is the as you know, we get to meet a lot of amazing athletes in our time, but the guys that I turn to puddles over are the media legends. Like when <laughs> I met Al Michaels, right? When I meet Chris Collinsworth, when I met Bob Costas, I met Ernie Johnson a few years ago. Yeah. When you meet these guys, I'm like, oh, see, that was when I was 12 years old. I was like, that's the guy I want to be when I grow up. Yes. I, didn't, I knew I wasn't going to be LeBron James. It's the reason why the Tom Brady's are so rare. It's rare to have a guy in our lives for 20 years that's playing, uh, but no matter who is playing, Al Michaels has been there. No matter who is playing, Joe Buck has been there. And so they are really more consistent than the athletes themselves. I, You know me, I'm a media nerd. Like that's... And speaking of guys that have been in your life as media guys, shout out to Tommy Heinsohn. I've just been reading uh, everything about Tommy Heinsohn. Just absolute legend. And honestly, when you're a kid growing up in Boston, you're watching him every night. He's the goat of goats as local commentators go but I didn't realize how freaking good he was as a player and a two-time mm. champion as a coach. I mean, the whole package, absolute legend, such a tragedy. Uh, by all accounts, the absolute best teammate ever, the best guy to have in the locker room. So, And as uh, you said yesterday, every, every sports team deserves a Tommy as their color commentator, yes. who is a complete homer and that is unabashed. Because in the end, when you're watching the local broadcast, I do not need you to be unbiased. I need it to feel like I'm in the living room with my friends. And when I hear people say that he felt like a member of the family, uh, Tommy points, if you don't know about it, just watch some videos. But that's a funny thing you said too about we forget how good these guys were as players. Well, he we was used playing to way before I was born. You know, I didn't, I didn't we know. We used to say this clips. about Phil Sims. Phil Sims had been on TV for 25 years right. and people are like, oh, oh, and it's like, do you guys know that this man went 21 of 25 in the Super Bowl? Right. And like, like he play, he was the one quarterback that Bill Parcells like didn't argue with or he did, but it was, uh, but like, it is funny when that, that uh, perception changes. Speaking of perception changes, now that we're 10 weeks into the year, we can look at some of these season long bets and maybe hedge our bets or change it. Salt in the segways, bet 99%. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, Ingber, you had a few of these season-long bets that caught your eye. Where do you want to start? Uh, I wanted to take a look at the most passing yards for Ooh. the season because, as you know, you can bet this stuff before the season, but just like MVP odds and Rookie of the Year odds that change week to week, all the things, most rushing yards, most receiving yards, most passing yards, these also fluctuate week to week as injuries happen, as certain guys come out of nowhere. And since we've got approximately half of a season, a little bit less than half a season left, it's a good time. I know you're a big schedule watcher, yes. right? It's a good time to see someone that says, okay, maybe he's in third or fourth or fifth place in terms of total passing yards, but he's going to explode and get 1,500 yards over the next four weeks or something like that. It's a no great doubt. time to, to look at that value. 
So what, what were the ones that named? So right now, Matt Ryan is leading the NFL. Pat Mahomes is two. Josh Allen is three. They've all played nine games. Uh, in fourth is Russell Wilson, who's only played eight games. So that, and then, and then the te- fifth is actually Teddy Bridgewater right now, which I think is pretty great. But Matt Ryan's leading the way with 27-46. So what are the odds right now? And that's what's kind of interesting the way you're saying it. It comes down to A, not just how many yards you have, but how many games you've played. And B, maybe you've got some home games coming up. Maybe like you're going to play better in a dome, et cetera. But uh, Patrick Mahomes is leading, but he's tied with Russell Wilson. They're both at plus 300 right now. Mm. Matt Ryan. And by the way, Mahomes playing one more game has thrown for, if I do the math very quickly, 146 yards. Mm -hmm. So I would say, just looking at the odds there, Russell Wilson would have it just from that. But keep going. Matt Ryan, who's currently leading the NFL in passing yards, he's got plus 350. And as we know, I'm not saying Matt Ryan's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I don't think anyone's saying that. But we're talking about total yards. And for a team that seems to need to throw for 360 every week in order to stay competitive, and it seems like they've taken, you know, any sort of muffler off of that offense and they're just letting Matt Ryan cook and throw the ball, spray the ball all over the field, that's that's pretty enticing to me. Um, Deshaun Um, Watson, same sort of thing. He needs to throw the ball 40, 50 times, you know, in order to stay competitive. Uh, and then Teddy Bridgewater at plus a thousand. That doesn't really appeal to me, but Josh Allen at plus 1100 caught my eye. Josh Allen. Okay. So I did uh, some of the schedule looking. I used my uh, good friend, Sharp Football Stats, because you can check out the, the strength of defenses, past defenses you faced already compared to what's going up. And almost all the guys at the top of the list, their schedules are getting more difficult. So let's see. These are the ranges. Atlanta is, and these are from most difficult. So it's to the bottom of the NFL. Atlanta is going from 17th to 10th most difficult. So their schedule is actually getting tougher. Kansas City is going from 20th to 14th. So both of them are getting about six or seven degrees tougher. Um, Atlanta falling to the 10th toughest, Kansas City 14th toughest. Buffalo is going from 22nd to 14th. They're getting eight spots tougher. Seattle, only 18th to 16th two spots tougher, Carolina 14 to 11. And I looked up the Chargers because Justin Herbert right now has not played the same amount of games. Justin Herbert right now is 600 yards behind Matt Ryan. He's played one less game. Just, you know, but I also think that's because he didn't play the first game, not because of a bye, which is different. They're going from 17th to 19th. So they're actually getting easier. But when I look at all those, for me, Russell Wilson would be the guy there. I know that it's what, plus 300 for him right now? Plus 300 for Russell Wilson. So you're saying that a lot of these guys are going to see tougher defenses over the next seven, eight weeks, but Russell Wilson's going to see approximately the same level defense. Approximately the same level, and he's played one less game. Hmm. And when you factor those into me and the way that he's playing and how bad the Seattle defense is, that's the thing. Matt Ryan's defense has gotten a lot better since Raheem Morris has gotten over. And I think that's actually bad to try and win this category. You're, you want your defense to be bad, so you have to throw the ball more. So I get excited for Mahomes, but I get really excited for Russell Wilson because that defense can – so I would take Russell Wilson there at plus 300. Uh, and then if you're looking for a flyer, Justin Herbert at plus 2,500. If you want to just throw mm. 10 bones down, sure. And that would be the guy because he really is – his connection with Keenan Allen – is we talked about it on Monday. I'm so excited, but I, I think there Russell Wilson would be my guy. 
All right. I oh. like it. I'm glad we went over these. Uh, now we can look over rushing yards leaders or receiving yards leader. Which one suits your fancy? I'm more, uh, receiving yards, I think, is the one that I get excited about too. And again, these these continue to swing throughout the season. Currently. Let me give you the current standings. Yeah. Uh, the number one receiving yards is Stefan Diggs, which is, I did not think that would be the case. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's 813. Up there. Number two is DK Metcalf, again, in one fewer game. Number three is my guy. Travis Kelsey, who brought me into Cheese Kingdom. Love it when a tight end He's up there. is leading. That's so dope. Number four, what do you know? Robbie Anderson is up there. Number five, DeAndre Hopkins. Rounding out the top 10, if you're curious, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Devontae Adams, I thought he would be higher. Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper. Uh, by the way, the interesting stat there for me is that DK Metcalf is at two, and he has twenty less receptions than Stefan Diggs. That's but he is, insane. but he's only about thirty or twenty-five yards behind him. So he's twenty-five yards behind him in twenty less catches. DK Metcalf, what a freak! He also has eight touchdowns, which is. Almost more, it's almost equal to Travis Kelsey and Stefan Diggs touchdowns combined. DK Metcalf, love him. And he he should have nine touchdowns. He dropped the ball at the one yard line for no reason. So I always oh like to add one goodness, more. Oh my goodness, I forgot about that. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, what are the odds? DK Metcalf currently has the favorite odds. He's plus 275. DeAndre Hopkins next at plus 350. So again, that's probably coming the idea that Kyler Murray seems to be getting better at passing mm. the football every single week. That offense is Arizona, clicking. by the way, their passing defense schedule is getting easier by two spots, just to add context to that. Uh, Devontae Adams at plus 600 is third. Stefan Diggs at plus 850. I can't remember exactly how many weeks we're expecting him to miss, or is he already back? No, Stefan Diggs is good. Stefan okay. Diggs, honestly... I'm going to get to one of these bets later in the show. Arizona Buffalo, shootout central, Stefan Diggs, John Brown revenge game. Oh my goodness. I I got that one circled. And then if you like Travis Kelsey, I know he's your guy. Again, plus 1,700 for a guy that's right up there at the top with receiving yards. He's such a security blanket for Mahomes. It feels like they go to him on every third down. Uh, Terry McLaurin. What, what did you say the What did you say the odds were for Kelsey? Seventeen to one. So if you bet a hundred dollars, you would win seventeen hundred dollars. How fun is that? It's a fun thing to have. I mean, because especially because he's your buddy, he's been on the program. You throw twenty bucks down on it, and you get a nice little return. And the, the thing is, is DK. You know, we saw that one week where Lockett went off and DK didn't. It, they can game plan and stuff. I don't feel like they can game plan for Travis Kelsey. And the reason is when Tyree Kill is on the field, you can't double Travis Kelsey. Right. Because if you double Travis Kelsey, you got a 4-2 foot race going on. And I, uh, I, I think that one, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes are going to go down as one of the greatest quarterback tight end combinations ever. And I also believe that Travis Kelsey, this is going to be his biggest season. And the fact that he is doing it after he just got a contract done, I don't know. It's pretty special. A lot of guys do it in a contract year and then they fall off. He signed the deal and is now killing it. So props to him. If you had to choose Russ to DK or Mahomes to Kelsey, most oh. touchdowns, most touchdowns over the next five years, who wins that? So right now, DK has eight. Travis Kelsey has six. I would say um, Metcalf because I think yards and touchdowns are different. Mm. And I think that when they get down around the red zone, how many times do you see Anthony Sherman? You see like 
for me, for the Seahawks, it's really, they both have quarterbacks that can run. They both can run it off. But when it comes to receivers, there's so many more guys. Uh, I would go DK. It's interesting. Yeah. But man, Travis Kelsey as just a fantasy player has been, <laughs> I think he's been like the the biggest cheat code of the year. In terms I, have of fantasy. Him, I have him on both of my teams. I traded for him in our league. I traded Will Fuller and Chase Edmonds. And I think I had to give up a little bit, but Travis Kelsey is, I mean, think about all the other tight ends in fantasy that fell off this year. Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz. Uh, really, the only other guys that are doing consistent are TJ Hawkinson. And yeah. Noah Fant's been okay. But it's Travis Kelsey and everybody else. Yeah. I love it's, it. With George Kittle out, it's, it's the it, it's George the Kittle. Travis Kelsey show. Uh, um, I know you had some other season-long stuff. Yeah, this is just something that I noticed because um, we always talk about the difference between the square betting and the intelligent better. And I, yes. I saw this stat. I, again, we always like to be wary of trends that Jeffrey Goff is 3-11 and 11 against the spread in the following time zones or this team is seven of their last eight covers. That stuff doesn't actually mean anything. It's interesting to read, but it doesn't necessarily like tell a story. This I just found was interesting over the last six seasons. Road dogs coming off of a loss are covering at about 56, 57%. Mm. And home favorites coming off of a win are covering under 50%. And again, 52%, mm. as we know, is approximately the number 52, 52 and a half, 53%. That's how much you need to win in order to be profitable long-term. And I just found that stat to be so interesting. Road dogs coming off of a loss. So again, a team loses last week. Maybe they got their butts kicked. They're now heading into someone else's house. It's so yes. easy to be like, they're going to get their ass kicked again. And the lines adjust for that. Every yes. week, we, we, we see this. It's so hard to bet on a team that just got their butts whipped, right? Mm. Similarly, on the other side, we see a team that just won, right? They're looking good. They're feeling good. Their fan base is fired up. And now they're coming home. They're excited. Mm. It's easy to bet on that team. But Vegas knows these things and they adjust. Any one game, this can't affect, right? We're talking about the difference between 54% and 48%. But right. in terms of long-term profitability, that 6% is massive. So I'm seeing a few games this week that go by the double stack, which is the road dog against after a loss versus the home favorite. So I'm going to read them to you, Ingber, since, and I want, I want to hear your initial take on it. Number one, I'm going to say is Jacksonville Jaguars plus 13 after a loss to Houston going to Green Bay coming off a win last Thursday against San Francisco, Green Bay minus 13. Yeah. While 13 is a lot of points. I don't know if I would want to touch that one though. I don't I don't I don't like rookie quarterbacks that overperform their first game then playing in their second game. I just I I would tend to lean Green Bay there. Which which quarterback are you more excited about the matchup of Kyler versus Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers versus Jake Luton? Which one has you more excited? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, Kyler and Josh. It's two good ones, though. Two real good ones. Denver Broncos plus five coming off of a loss to Atlanta at the Raiders minus five in a win over the Chargers. Mm -hmm. Divisional battle two. Do you like kind of those? Uh, this is one that interests me from your little 50-50 thing there. At Raiders, yeah, in Las Vegas. Um, I, I know you have thoughts on... Raiders uh, coming off of a last-second win where the defense is dancing around. I talked. I didn't talk about this on camera. I love betting against teams that get real pumped up at the end of their game and are dancing. And so when I saw the Raiders running and screaming and all that stuff and a last-second win, 
minus five against the Broncos. That's definitely one that I'm curious about now. This is one of my my own kryptonite Squaresville type opinions. I just, whenever I see more than three and a half points in a divisional battle where neither team is particularly better than the other, I just think that's a lot of points. And like, I just think divisional battles always come down to a field goal. So I almost always end up taking the points, but that's very square of me to think that. At the same point though, I think you're right. Another game that goes by your metrics, underdog on the road after a loss versus a home favorite at home after a win. Chargers plus two and a half at the Dolphins minus two and a half. Herbert and Tua. This one really, I know, you know, the home favorite should be three. That one's very intriguing to me too. It's, you got to go over the fear though of betting on the Chargers because they've been a tough bet. Yes, uh, that is a fear. But the the Dolphins at home, you're right. That's typically worth two and a half to three points. So Vegas is essentially saying by by favoring the Dolphins only by two and a half points, they're saying that these teams are equal. And the Dolphins, I feel like, are on the march to be one of the top four teams in the AFC. I don't know. Like they're up there, and I would not put the Chargers in there, especially with all the meltdowns they've had. So that just that seems like a fishy line. That feels like the crack uh, emeritus fishy yes. line of the week to me. And I'm going to say this too. Tua just went up against a Chandler Jones's Arizona Cardinals team. He is now going up against a Chargers defense that has not been great. I am not saying they're great, but do you know what they have? They have Joey Bosa on one side and they have Melvin Ingram on the other side. We learn about quarterbacks when they're really under pressure. We are going to learn a lot about Tua here. I'm feeling I'm not going to lock it. But the Chargers are getting me excited. This could be an oh shit Chargers game. Clip that. Get it ready. Just get it ready. Just we'll get it, it ready. We'll it. I don't know if I want it out before the game, but save it for after the game just in case I'm right. There are two more games that fit David Ingber's criteria. Seahawks coming off a loss to the Bills, plus one and a half against the Rams coming off of a bye minus one and a half. I got this circled already. I might make this one of my bets. I love betting the Seahawks in a game like this. Seahawks, after a loss, feel like they, they cover the spread probably 80%. They're like, they, they remind me of where the Patriots were like two, three years ago. I have a great Russell Wilson stat for you. Yes, let's hear it. Russell Wilson, 24-12-4 against the spread coming off of a loss. Yeah. That is, that is a spicy, career-long ATS record. Now, this to me is one of the most interesting matchups of the week that's non-quarterback related. DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey, to me, might be the most exciting position versus position of the entire week. Get your popcorn ready, sit down, find a way to watch it, and only watch DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey. It might be, it's top three versus top three in the position. Um, yeah, absolutely. La- last game, and this is the one that if you're really trying to get crazy, San Francisco coming off that loss to Green Bay, plus nine, taking on the Saints, minus nine over the Bucks. This is the one. That Everybody, I this is the one, man, that if you want to get crazy at a plus 320 money line on these Niners, I'm just saying right now, this is the one to get excited about. You have a Niners team that got embarrassed. 
embarrassed by the Packers last Thursday night, and everybody wrote off Nick Mullins and all the injuries and all that, and a Saints team that had Sean Payton doing the jig in a black-lit locker room after the game, sweeping their division rival Buccaneers, and they are favored by nine at home in the Superdome. Just remember that Kyle Shanahan hung up like 45 last year. I know they had Kittle. I know that they had everybody else. I'm just saying, Niners on a long week, Saints off Sunday night football, get the Niners are amazing at plus nine. I'm just feeling it, Ingber. I am. Yeah, and this this line actually opened up at six and a half. And then Ooh. as the Saints demolished the Bucks, it Ooh. just kept climbing and climbing. And this this is the game when I saw that stat about road dogs versus home favorites against the spread. This is the game that I circled because this is the exact mentality of the 49ers just got their butts kicked. The Saints yeah. are on the march. They just righted the ship. But the NFL doesn't work like that. You can win 50 to nothing and then come back and lose to a bad team. It can happen. Uh, and it does happen. Will I make that one of my bets? You'll find out at the end of the show. For now, let's get to our guy, Chris Collinsworth. It's deep dive interview time. Tell us something we don't already know, won't you? What a moment. What a day. Let's have fun. Okay. It is the man, the myth, the legend on Sunday night football, who also, I believe is the Pied Piper of analytics into the NFL. Chris Collinsworth. Great to talk to you again. The Piper. I like that. I like that. I'll take Pied Piper. I wish I knew how to work all of it. Then I'd be really dangerous, but uh, I have, I have over 600 people now who happily showed me how to turn on my computer and find whatever the heck I want to find. I just really think, man, that when when you joined up with PFF and then they started showing the rankings on Sunday Night Football, I feel like the last five years have been trying to convince the old guard this can be useful. And I feel like this year, more than any other year, the way the playing styles, it feels like it's fully accepted. Do you see, do you have the same perspective? Yeah, I, I think probably the thing that I see more than anything is in the fourth down situations. You know, um, that at one time it was really taboo for a coach to go for fourth and four. I, like, totally. you remember the time that Belichick in Indianapolis against Indy in his own, div- yeah, fourth and two, Tom Brady's got the ball. They're leading by like five points or something. And, and Belichick said, I'm not punting the football back to Peyton Manning. We haven't stopped them all day long. And he went for it on fourth and two. They completed the pass, but just short of the first down. And I'm up in the booth, and I'm thinking, okay, there's something I don't know. Right? There's something I don't know because Mr. Defense over here, Bill Belichick, just went for this fourth and two. And I remember if it had been – like anybody else, I probably would have gone. What a dumbass! He, you know, I would have no said, doubt, no doubt. But it was Bill, and I was like, "This is Bill Belichick. This guy, you know." And, and the thing about the Patriots, here, here's one of the inside knowledgeable things that I I get. We go to the combine every year, and we put on a presentation. And this is our newest product on PFF, and this is what we're selling this year to the teams. And and obviously, what we sell to the teams is even another big layer on top of what we sell to consumers. And so some teams come in there and they bring like their defensive line coach 
who sits there and complains the whole time that this is really <laughs> useless and why would I ever, you know, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And teams like the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens and Seattle and mm. some of these analytics driven franchises are bringing in four guys from Harvard, two from Stanford and one from MIT, right? Like the ones that you would think like the Patriots are going to come Don't in really need like it as much. The defensive tackle coach that's going to bitch at us, right? Yeah. Completely the opposite. Completely yeah. the opposite. They're the ones that have all the mathematicians. And then Belichick gets up in front of the room and goes, ah, oh, you know, I just had a gut feeling about that. Was it? <laughs> yes. He is. Everything they do is driven by math, by numbers, by yeah. experience. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in the league right now. Someone very wise once told me the key to really winning big is to be non-consensus and correct. To When everyone else says you're dumb and you're right, that's when you make the biggest leap. And I feel like the teams you mentioned, Baltimore, Seattle, uh, New England, Philadelphia, they got so far ahead of everybody a few years ago when everybody was going, this is nonsense, that they were able to build a lead. And I, I think the other teams have to come around. I think they will. But I've always heard from people like you, there's really only eight teams trying to win the Super Bowl every year as it is. They've got uh, Baltimore was a good example. Baltimore probably leading the way along with Philadelphia. But Baltimore in their game last week, they had a fourth and three from like the plus 40, something like that. And they go for it, right? And they pick it up. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a total non-story, right? The fact that they went for it, it was a total non-story, which, you know, three years ago would have been oh. like headlines. But if they had not made it, the, the opposite is true too. If they had not made it, it would have been a story. Like, why mm. did you, you know, da, da, da. Where in reality, what analytics says is that uh, my guys in the back are going to be laughing at me. I'm, I'm, I'm describing analytics now. But nice. uh, an analytics is as little as 50.5% yes, go for it. 49.5, no. Mm. So what does that mean? That means half the time you're not going to make it. Like you're right. only gaining a percentage point, but when you play that over the course of a season the way that Philadelphia did when they won the Super Bowl championship, now you have something substantial. And, mm. and the interesting part is the media has quit attacking. Right? They the have. Media, I'm so proud of them. The media has, has gotten intimidated. They've gone like, Hell, they all have computers now. That must have been the right call. Whereas <laughs> even two years ago, it would have been the entirety of everything you heard on television, talk Two radio. years ago, I think yeah. maybe in week one, Doug Peterson went for a fourth and seven around 50-yard line, and they freaked out. I think it was even the Super Bowl year that they eventually turned it around, but I agree. It's completely turned. Uh, I want to talk about the team you just mentioned, Baltimore. I think they picked up that fourth down like a crossing route, but- they play Sunday night, and I'm under the belief that Lamar is about to turn it on. I don't know if it's necess necessarily through with his arm, but I look at his upcoming schedule. I think it gets a bit soft. I know you've been studying his tape all week. What are you seeing out of Lamar? Um, you know, he really got help when they went into that two-minute offense, or maybe I should just up-tempo offense in the second half. You know, he was bad against yes. Pittsburgh. I think had four turnovers in that game. Had a bad first half. 
and the the gremlins were starting to come out a little bit. It was like, eh, I don't know about this MVP kind of thing, you know. And then they came out in the second half and started going up tempo. And I think he went 10 for 10 the second half. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did. Uh, and he made hard throws. Hey, there's one in particular watching the tape that really impressed me was that he got to his back foot and there was an opening. And, you know, when you watch it on film or on television, and there was an open, they were in a zone defense and uh, Darius Leonard, right? And, and one of the other rookie guys in there, they, they were about 10 yards apart. And to a normal, untrained eye, you go, he's wide open right in the middle of the field. But he was on the opposite side of that linebacker, and so he had to anticipate him crossing the back of that linebacker before he got to that linebacker. And these two guys were so fast, they almost got to the ball, but the, the ball came out with zip. It came out with anticipation. It was thrown on time. And I'm like, that's the kind of confidence that we yeah. saw with him a season ago. So you add that to the layer of, I, I don't know what we do. We're, we're, I guarantee you this week, we're going to show some perspective from the linebacker position where we're going to show it from behind the defense. And Baltimore is going to pull four linemen this way and pull four linemen that way. And the fullback's oh going to go there and Lamar's going to go there and the running back's going to go there. And this linebacker is going to be sitting there going, I mean, you can watch them on tape. They have no idea where the ball is. And I used yeah. to play safety in high school. I played a little bit in college. And, you know, when you get one of those multi-dimensional teams and you go, okay, you know, which way are they going to go? Like Kansas City's doing the same thing now. Which way are they going? And then all of a sudden, here comes Lamar Jackson yeah. with a step on you. Or here comes Tyreek Hill on a reverse with a step on you. What do you do? I'm excited. You mentioned you were talking about safety. You made me think about your time in Cincinnati, and I'm, I, I'm blown away at the poise of these young quarterbacks, namely Burrow and Herbert. Just Burrow's ability to escape the rush and to not necessarily be fast, but to be so quick with single steps. Herbert is a gazelle. Like I, I'm, I the the throws and the strides he takes, and then Tua. I'm just your your feeling of these three rookie quarterbacks. Have you got a chance to really dive into any of them yet? Yeah, all the time. And and um, um, it was interesting um, that Brandon Graham with Philadelphia um, said to me that after they played Cincinnati, Philadelphia beat the crap out of yes, Joe they Burrow. did beat the crap out of him. I mean, it was like remember that hit from Malik Jackson. Yeah, and, and it was it was funny because, and I don't know who hit him. Brandon Graham told me the story. Maybe it was Malik. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was Malik. And and but he said he goes he took that shot, and everybody in the stadium all looked back at the referee to see whether or not he was going to throw the flag or not. And I, I may mess up the quote a little bit, so forgive me. But basically, Joe Burrow got up, saw there was no flag, didn't complain, didn't do one of those. He turned back to Graham or Malik Jackson or one of them, and he said, you know, when I'm the GOAT, I'm going to get that call. And everybody on their defense was like, I like this guy. He just took wow. that shot, didn't complain, and said, you know what? I'm still a rookie. I'm not going to get that call. But one day when I'm the GOAT, I'm going to get that one. I was like – He just he – doesn't he – that energy just pours out of him, man. Uh, no question about it. And the, other, the thing I love about him, I think, 
And he's the complete opposite of me when I was a rookie. Like I was like, duh, 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 duh. I'm so happy to be here. I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. you know, some girl, please date me. Here's my phone number. I, I was working every angle, right? I, yeah. I, I was working everything. This guy comes to work and he looks like this. You know, mm -hmm. they ask him a question. He acts like, okay, that's a good question. Let me give you a decent answer. And then that's all I'm going to say. And rah, you know, like he's been here for 15 years doing this. Stuff. And, and there's something about having a quarterback that's that age that is all in, that mm -hmm. is just sort of has this locked in look in his eyes and he's from Ohio and you feel like, you know, he's defending the Alamo or something. He's trying to change the reputation of everything that is Ohio football other than Ohio State and the great University of Cincinnati, by the way. i got to throw that in there right now. But, you know, he just is like he's on a one-man mission that he's going to change the face of football in Ohio. And I just love it. I, I've never even met him. I've never even met the kid. And I just, I, every time I see him, I go, I love this guy. He had a moment with me at Super Bowl. So this is even before he knew where he was going and all that stuff, where I asked him, uh, who does he get compared to a lot? And he has that stone face to him. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't believe that young players should really compare themselves to people. I think it's really unfair. And and I, I just was looking at him and I was like, do you know how refreshing it is to even hear that as a non-answer for you to like take it in, go... You're setting a trap. I don't like this. And, and that I just, I love that. Um, I tell you though, Richard Sherman yesterday, we were doing yeah. podcasts that we do. And I, I asked Richard, I said, okay, you know, you name them all off, uh, Kyler, Tua, you know, all these different guys, Joe, Wh which you only get one. Which one would you take? You know what he said? Herbert. Kyler. Herbert. Who'd, Herbert. Just Herbert. He said, I just think that he's done more in an unexpectedly positive way against really tough competition, mm. and he just keeps staying in there. He's making big plays. So I think there's a real legitimate debate going on of which one of these five or six you know, young quarterbacks throw Josh Allen in there. I mean, look at what Josh Allen's done this season. Um, last week against Seattle in that thing. So I think there's a real legitimate debate, sort of like there was in '83-ish, of 2004. Which, yeah, yeah. Which of these great quarterbacks are going to be the greatest of those going forward? Mm. And every time you just go, "Oh my God, we're about to lose Brady, and we're about to lose Bree and Roethlisberger, and all these great guys," there always is that next wave that comes in, and it just makes it fun. Um, we were having a debate me and Brian Westbrook, there's this thing I'm seeing that's, that happened with the Warriors a few years ago that's happening with the Chiefs now where nobody wants to give Pat Mahomes all the credit because look at all the weapons he has around him and what if he was in a worse situation? Uh, I'm under the belief that he's one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play, ever. Uh, how do we parse between he's got great weapons and he's simply sensational? Um, I think you would not acknowledge both. Uh, and the other thing I would say that you would have to throw into that mix is Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid. No doubt. You know, that, uh, when he came out of college, trust me, I, I've seen a whole bunch of guys come out of college. And some go, and some go like that. Mm. And, and he was a wild child in college. I mean, you think he makes some crazy plays now. <laughs> you should have – I mean, I don't know how much of him you, – you probably watched a million – 
Me and Chris at Texas Tech, he kept going. He goes, I'm telling you he's Brett Favre. And I would be like, but he's at Texas Tech. Nothing good ever comes out of Texas Tech at quarterback. And he was like, I've just never seen this before. Yeah, he's Brett Favre. That was right. And Brett Favre made coach after coach absolutely insane out of their minds, right? No doubt. And and probably the best thing that ever happened to him was that Alex Smith was the guy who went before him. Alex Smith is, you know, he's going to check it down. He's not going to get hit. He's going to da-da-da. So he got... Andy Reid, he got Eric Bieniemy, and he got a role model that he watched for an entire year, how to be a professional, how to deal with the media, what's your work schedule, you know, who's like, dut, 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 dut. and so I think all of that for a full year, and then I think he played week 17 of his rookie year. And Against the like, Broncos, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy's got some stuff to him. Yeah. And, but I think all of that built him into who he is. Um. Can I ask you a TV question? Sure. How how long have you now been doing Sunday night football? 747 years. <laughs> and that was the longest night we ever had the other night when we were oh, <laughs> I felt so bad for you guys. I never saw a game that I I'm telling you if I bet on football, they would have owned my house, my car, they would have taken all of my kids. I would have bet everything that that score would not have been what that score was at the end of the night. I thought Tampa was the best team in football. One week ago, I go, I forget where they are right now. They're not the best team right now. But if you extrapolate out where they're going and where this is going to be, this is going to be the best football team. And for the second time this year, this is not the first time, Tom Brady couldn't handle that defense. Couldn't handle Mm. it. And he now has seven interceptions, five of them he threw to the New Orleans Saints. Jeez. So, you know, it, it's, is it just purely a bad matchup for them? Is it Ali Marpet, their best blocking guard, got him away from the run game too soon because he mm. wasn't in the game? Um, was it trying to indoctrinate Antonio Brown too much into the game plan? But they lost on every front. They, every front. Their blitzing defense was afraid to blitz Drew Brees. Uh, Gronkowski got – beaten by Malcolm Jenkins. Marshawn Lattimore was all over Mike Evans. They got beaten on every front imaginable. And so, uh, w- so when something go- happens like that, that it is so jarring, and now the Saints have like a really sizable lead because of the two wins over the Bucks. how, how uh, look, you're with Al. We know that he likes lines and gambling. You're Mr. Analytics now. How do, how do I process what may be an outlier but it's going to be burned in my brain for the next five weeks. Um, you cannot uh, – George Shahuri, my guy, was put up some stats during the course of the game, and I think that, that told it all. If the Bucs had won that game, their chance of winning the division – and remember what winning the division means. Now, it may not mean buys this time around, uh, but it does mean home playoff games. So mm-hmm. instead of playing in the in warm – Tampa Bay, you know, where you're comfortable and all yeah. that kind of stuff, they're going to be on the road throughout the course of the playoffs. And they may fight their way back in. I don't think they're winning the division now. You look mm-hmm. at New Orleans' schedule, uh, it's not that tough. It's just not that tough. So I think New Orleans wins that division. Tampa's on the road. They're going to be so much better than what they showed in that game. But the path just got incredibly hard. It's, it's, you know, it was like, it was like um, uh, 
San Francisco and Seattle in that play last year, last game, oh, last play of the Will game. Will Disley. Tackled on the half-yard line, you know, that whole thing. And it flipped them from whoever won the game was the one seed, whoever lost was the five seed. And it look what happened. San Francisco won by a half an inch, goes mm. to the Super Bowl. So I think that's entirely possible again. My last question for you is um, – as you're in the business for a long time, it's impossible not to get callous to some stuff. The The newness of everything wears off. What is it like, though, to be working with your son? And how much has it refreshed you to see it through his perspective now? Um, I, I don't get that. I, I still get nervous sometimes. I don't want to make it like I never get nervous. But when, when I played football, I never, I really didn't get nervous playing. I just didn't. I was like, I, I love <laughs> playing and having fun. When I watched my kids play high school, anything, I was a nervous wreck. I was like, I was like I'm the babbling idiot up there. I'm, I'm screaming things. I'm saying things. I had, what was it? My son, Austin, my other son is at Notre Dame. So they're playing USC. The first night game played of all time between these two at wow. Notre Dame Stadium, and he's returning the opening kickoff. And he's, but he's back. He's back with their, their star guy. So they kick the ball, and, of course, they kick it to Austin. And the ball's coming down, and I see Austin's going to return the first kickoff ever at night, Notre Dame Stadium, all this stuff. And I stand up, and, I mean, remember now, I've broadcast Super Bowls. I've played in Super Bowls. I've been in some big moments. I stand up, and I did this. I went, Austin, just like that. I hit an octave that I have never hit. And I went, what just came out of my mouth? I was so embarrassed with this thing. And now when I watch Jack, you know, I mean, he was the entirety of the pregame show by himself half the time, you know, all this stuff. So I go to Al Michael, I go to dinner with Al Michaels afterwards. And, you know, so he's on for a half an hour straight. Al comes out and he goes, you know, only Al. He loves red meat. He wants something to make him mad all the time in life. He comes out and he goes, you know, your son Jack's been on camera more than we have been all season. You understand that, right? <laughs> I, know. I know. I got it. I got it. I got it. So, but I'm uh, proud of them both. They're doing great. It's awesome, man. It's cool to see you guys there. Uh, for, for people that are listening now that missed it back in the day, me and Sims used to do these videos for Bleacher Report with Ford and we would come on and we would, I don't know, just shoot the shit with Chris for what seemed like 15 minutes and he'd always have to get back to film because you were doing Thursday games and Sunday games back then and whether it's the sliding in and how that became a meme or your call of Odell or anything, man, it's been, it's been so cool to see everybody realize that you're one of the best to ever do it and it was, it was cool to talk to you then. It's great to talk to you now. I'll never forget doing those shows with you guys in that black closet in Atlanta. There, mm. that was, that, I love that studio. It was like, oh it was like goodness. the tiniest. Like, I remember watching you guys do these things, and I'm thinking, God, they got a great studio. Look at this massive thing. All these, I walk in, and I'm like, I go, like, look, looks like you guys stole the coat closet in here. It was, yeah. it was hilarious. But all an optical. All way, brother. Proud of you. Happy to see all your success. Thanks, man. And of course, check out Chris Collinsworth podcast. He's got one with Richard Sherman. Think about it. Chris Collinsworth, Richard Sherman, you should download it. And thanks again to PFF uh, for making it possible and giving us great stats. Thanks, Chris. All right, buddy. See you, bud.
Hear ye, hear ye! These are the three Crack Commandments! With Bill Krakenberger. After a nice long conversation with Chris Collinsworth, I like dessert. And what do I like on my plate? Crack Daddy. Crack Daddy. Bill Krakenberger of the Crack Wins app. Yeah. How you doing, Crack? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Um, Vegas. What is the buzz? I love starting that. What What is everybody talking about? What is your brain processing right now in week 10? You know, um, I'm a, I'm a Masters fan, so this is really gotcha. fun to watch the Masters. And uh, What were your Masters in bets? In November. Uh, Masters bets. Well, I, I have some matchups, player versus player. They're already going, though, so I know what happens. People get mad. Oh, you're talking about it now. They started already. You know, but there's some. All right. I'm just, literally interviewing now. You didn't have an option. Oh, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they, these guys these guys kind of get upset sometimes and, and, and say, hi, you give out bets after they started. So, let me, yeah, you're asking master's bets? Okay, let's give you some. I'm just curious uh, like, who you like. Uh, Tony Finau. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name right. Uh, I mean, I, of course, I, I know who he is. Uh, I, so I bet a, I bet a match over him, him over uh, Colin Morikawa. So that's a four-day matchup. Who will have the better score after four mm, days? Um, I love that. And I, I also, you know, he doesn't seem like he closes. He was there in the, in, in the, I think it was in the final grouping last year of the Masters, and he doesn't seem to down the stretch win these tournaments. But uh, I, I actually thought he was some pretty good value here in Vegas. You're literally like, it's so interesting with sporting events that Masters does feel like the NCAA tournament for like grown men. Like the NCAA tournament oh, yeah. involves everybody where that first weekend it's four days. For me, I am seeing people post about the Masters as though this is their favorite weekend of the year, that they are going to sit on their couch and look at those greens and listen to Jim Nance and look at the azaleas and just relax. I, I, yeah. People are very excited for the Masters. It, it, it is. A, it's a gentleman's sport, too, so don't forget. This is a gentleman's sport, and, and to watch the Masters, to watch ESPN this morning, they were um, going down the pathway to the clubhouse, the camera, and the voice on there talking about mm. the bridge and, the, and, and the, the flowers that are normally in bloom there in beautiful April. And then, of course, the, the little creek, and then all of a sudden they yes. show Tiger with his fifth jacket last year on oh. uh, and uh, which was amazing to watch. As a matter of fact, even that though was I'm, I'm not, one of the best sporting events I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh my God. Wasn't it enjoyable? Yes. Even though personally, I don't care for Tiger Woods. I'm bad. That's okay. I rate people how they tip. I'm sorry. That's just, you know, being a regular guy. So, wow. so I had a conversation. No, 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 no. Listen, this is very interesting. I had a conversation with Aaron Jones that will be coming out next week. And we talked about phone charging. I think tipping is another very interesting conversation. Are you a 20% min tipper? Because that's what you sound like. Oh, I listen. Like you I'm never street, go below 20. Am I right? I'm a street kid from back east. I have, I have no value of money. It's the reason why I, I, I really should have more than I have. I, I, I literally don't. So, I, I, so not, you're a minimum 20% tipper, am oh, I right? Yeah. yeah, I am. I am. And, I'm, and I, I'm also the guy that's – I'm tipping the busboy if he's a good guy. I'm tipping the mater d' to get into the restaurant. You know, but you go my, to the restaurant. My, that, my yep. belief is if you've ever been somebody that has either worked in the back for any restaurant, service industry, anything like that, 
you tip well the rest of your life because you know that like you just made that kid's weekend. That's how my brain works. I love making their day. Listen, I'm going to give you an old school movie, The Pope of Greenwich Village. It, it's, they're going to the toll booth, and, and, the, and the, the Paulie reaches over Charlie and tips the guy a dollar. This is back in the 80s, of course, and gives the guy a dollar. And Charlie says, what would you do there? He said, Charlie, I give the guy a buck. The job's a sentence. He's breathing fumes all day. Give him a buck. You know, I, I love that kind of stuff. And, and I live my life by tipping people and, and, and just watching the expressions on their faces. I had no a doubt. pregnant waitress re recently with a $32 bill. I gave her $100. She was like, oh, my God, thank you. You know, I love doing that. You make their day. You make yeah. their week. My yeah. friends, my friends uh, get upset at me because when we are doing a bill and we split it and then I tip more than they do, they think I'm making yeah. them look bad. And then my financial friends, like my accountant is like, Adam, you're giving up too much of your money. I'm like, I don't care. So I'm in the same boat with you. I need Listen, to stop, but also not stop. But, but you're tipping. You're also getting better service the next time. It's almost like implied odds. See, this you're is where I think Jerry service. Seinfeld is right. I would actually like to tip before the meal because I want good service True. right then. Right. Right. No, it is. And I do that once in a while. So I tip ahead of time sometimes. Absolutely. You know, these but you're right. But if you tip well, you have to actually keep going back there. So you better like the restaurant. What are you yeah. going to say about Charles Barkley? Oh, Charles Barkley. The opposite. Best of tipper ever. I have watched him give out hundred dollar bills yes. to like the door guys. And I've watched Charles. I've watched Charles Barkley. This is recently tip for every person in the bar. Like I have oh, seen yeah. him, I have not, not only have I seen him go, I'm going to pay that table, that table, that table. Then right. he would go to the waitress and be like, I know they're not going to tip you great. Here are tips for all three tables too. Charles love is, him. love him. Charles love him. is a, is a believer of every room I walk into, everybody should be having fun and I'm going to do my best to make that a thing. And that's why I, I appreciate that guy. That guy. Absolutely. Um, speaking of making everyone's lives better, your information can do that. You keep killing it. Uh, I already know which bets I'm going to make, but I'm curious which ones got your attention right away. Well, you know, uh, this particular week too, not a lot of movement. As the season progresses, it's harder and harder to beat the sport. That's every sport, by the way. Right. So there's more information out there. There's more There's more uh, people talking about the games. Unlike early, in the, especially the NFL season, where we didn't have a preseason this year. No info. That there was no info that made the wise guys, the sharp guys like like me, uh, have a little so bit everybody's of everybody. Would you say that is this one of the most successful years for real sharp betters in a long time? This is the most successful year, NFL wise. Nothing has been like it. I don't think it'll ever happen again. How about that? That's how far how do you go back? Are we talking the last ten, the last twenty? Since I started betting sports in the 90s, since these syndicate groups that I follow, some of the some sharp syndicate groups I know of, they've all won. They're talking, you're talking 60, 65%. You're talking someone with totals, 65% on his NFL totals. I mean, this is, this is really the year wow. of years. To compare How are the sports books doing? Are they like crying mercy right now? Sports books are winning, are, are actually making money too. You want to know why? They still have those parlay guys that bet parlays, that mm. bet the parlay cards, that bet the sucker mm. teasers, that don't know the value of three. Those and are seven. most of the bets anyway. They are most of the bets. Listen. So then, so then, are the sharps, the sharp groups right now that are having their best years ever? Are they going? Should we keep pushing this right now, or are they going? Let's take our winnings with the rest of the season now that the books Definitely are catching up. This week, I've seen. A, a big drop back on syndicate play, taking their winnings. Exactly right. Like me, I have one. So everybody's at the craps table. 
and we just crap and everyone's going let's go let's t- let's maybe walk right now right you just had your guy with a, with a with a 15 minute roll and then his wife shot for 30 minutes oh uh, we had some good rolls here let's maybe we should take a break and go get something to eat or a drink or something yeah uh exactly Man. great okay that's there. interesting to know that's that's really interesting to know but but you know what if there was going to be a year it's the year with no information when the people that look for information have the advantage. So that makes sense. Uh, of the bets, of the bets this week, where are you seeing a ton of action? Well, you know, like I said, not a lot of stuff like there was earlier in the season. Uh, NFL games uh, have moved. There's been five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games I can talk about every week. This week I can only talk about a couple. So I'll start out. I'll start out with the Monday night game, Minnesota versus Chicago. You know, two two teams moving in two different directions. I love too. Chicago here. Wow, you're, you're okay. Okay, let's. You're going against it a little bit. Yes, you know? it's Kirk Bears Cousins on Monday night. Yes, yeah. it's Kirk Cousins on Monday night. It's everybody is crapping on the Bears, and I'm like, this Vikings defense is not that good. I just I like the and I don't. It's I like betting against Kirk Cousins, the Bears, and Monday night. Yeah, you know what? You said something good there. I like. You're right. People are crapping on the Bears, and when that hits public media mainstream. Yeah. Sometimes those teams that are crapped on, they probably have a little bit of edge money-wise on the line. You're prop, you're, you're probably right. Even though, even though Minnesota took a little money here, they opened up two and a half. Now they're two and a half minus twenty. Uh, I, I'm not betting it. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to be rooting for you and the Bears in that game. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, which other ones uh, caught your eye? Well, listen, this Tampa Bay, uh, this Tampa Bay team versus Carolina. Mm. <laughs> wow, I, I actually felt. Bad for Brady. They kept showing him so many times last week on the bench. We and, just uh, talked to Chris Collinsworth, and yeah. he said it was one of the worst games that he's ever had to call. It was just so oh, he was just it was like there was nothing to talk about because it's yeah. just such a beatdown. Uh, it it was over after prime like five time, minutes. prime time too. Oh my god, they really Brady Breeze. It was everything. Yeah, no, no, they they really did, and uh, I, I look for maybe the I look for a little bit of rebound sometimes. He doesn't want to be embarrassed on national TV, just like I look to Seattle. Seattle this week, uh, you know, not that they laid an egg versus Buffalo, but Buffalo's a good team. Uh, but everyone, lo- I tell you, if you watch those announcers and stuff, everyone loves Seattle. And, and you know, it's funny when you watch these six or seven guys giving their picks on these primetime games. Every one of them had Tampa Bay over New Orleans. Every mm. single one, I took a picture of that night and sent it to my assistant. I took New Orleans. Wow! See, you're a wise. I want. I, yeah. It. I'm also and and to be honest, this is going to be one of my. I think one of my bets later on that I do a thing. Burr, San Francisco plus nine against New Orleans is very intriguing to me. I'm curious what you think about this crack, and I'm going to get into this deeper. When I see a team win a really big game, and I see them dancing in the locker room afterwards, yep. I love betting against them the next week. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, because when do NFL teams? Usually, it's they get around the huddle. The coach puts the ball in the air and says, "They get it." They go, they go, and you got Monday off, and it's like, yeah. But when they're in the locker room with the lights off, with strobe lights, dancing, uh, for me, there's a release there that can't be put back in the bottle. That's just me. That's fantastic. Good, good observation there, especially when it's a prime time game. That's key. Yes. It's key because the public sees those type of games and says, wow, they're so good. And San Fran, I mean, come on. They, they laid an egg here. Laid, uh, you know, the, the, the quarterback situation over there. Uh, there's so many things. But actually, it, that's already baked into the line. Exactly. People don't realize that. That's baked into the line. So, uh, you know, when you're getting nine and hopefully maybe you can even get it up there to 10 or buy it to 10, you know, you're talking two major 
uh, key numbers there. So what, what you just said is such an important thing for investors in anything. Gambling is investing. You're investing in a very short belief and a hypothesis and cards, stocks. If you think that you are smarter than whoever the market creator is, Vegas, card sales, the stock market, because you're looking around and you think you know something, I'm just letting you know, it's already baked into the value. Unless you have truly proprietary information that has not gotten out yet, you don't know more than anybody else. So stop thinking that there's extra value. It's already baked in. I just wanted to say that. I love it. The baked in word is, is absolutely correct. Uh, 100%. But, but the, the average Joe out there doesn't think that. They just think what they've seen on prime time. Oh, man, the Saints, man, they're great. I'm going to got to bet them the rest of the season. They just destroyed Tom Brady in Tampa. Well, listen, maybe the line would have only been seven on San Fran this week or seven and a half, or maybe it's actually. I think it was six and a half. Ingber, Ingber uh, said it was six and a half. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. The look ahead line or whatever it may be. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Now let me give you my play. Uh, let me okay. give you my, my, uh, crack wins the play. crack wins play of the week. Crack. Been, doing, I tell you, been doing really good on your show with these. So, uh, I love yeah, it, man. It's, it's been going well. I think we gave the giants out first half last week. Yeah. So we were doing, doing, and uh, I really took the good. giants for the game too, which man, that was just a, that, that felt good the whole time. Yeah, yeah, quarterback situation over there. Comeback player of the year, Alex Smith, um, tried to get him back in, in the game, uh, Washington. And, uh, you know, he, he did in the second half with the one touchdown, but then those two interceptions at the oh, end. Oh, they were, were just brutal, brutal. But didn't you feel, because being a Giants better, didn't you feel if you watched that game when they were on the 40 with, with uh, you know, two no, minutes No, I had no doubts. I had no doubts. <laughs> I really, oh, really? did. Yeah, Good it's you. because um, – I, I believe the Giants are secretly a good, fu like, fundamental team. Right. And yeah. when I looked at Washington, the only fear that I had was Terry McLaurin getting behind the defense. And I just mm -hmm. didn't think – like, I don't think that Washington could have moved down the field dumping it off to Antonio Gibson or J.D. I just don't think there's enough there. But okay, that's yeah. just me personally. Wow, that's good. Normally, you know, we're, we're, we're East Coast guys. We're very cynical. You, you could just see the collapse happening and you feel so. Well, oh, that, I'm cynical great. about the Eagles. Like, I'm more <laughs> worried about them this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's get to my play. So, uh, listen, uh, Bills in Arizona. Let's look at this game. Uh, like two different kind of playoff teams. This is a game looks like it could be some back and forth. And it, it actually should be a lot of fun to watch this game with two, two bright young quarterbacks going head to head. Uh, Josh Allen and, and Kyler Murray. So, uh, listen, I, I, I actually do, again, I hate giving out overs, but this is an yes. over year. So, yeah, I, I'm actually going to look at the over here. I'm actually going to look at the over first half. Over first half, 26 and a half. Uh, I, I think it's 26 uh, and a half. That's such a good line. Yeah, well, that's what it is everywhere. I just looked this morning. So I could see, uh, you know, 17-10 being a winner. So let's go over first half there. And I, uh, I think Buffalo you know, continues to dominate their, their uh, offense there. It's been really good. So let, let's uh, – and I'm hoping that, 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 that Murray keeps him in there too. I'm going to say this later. That's a game that I see in the 60s or 70s. Yeah, it seems like this year you can put games like that. There has been some games, high 60s, and, you know, uh, it, I it'll absolutely be very, It'll be very interesting to see. Josh Allen, I think, is going to be very fine. I think that Arizona's defense is a really nice matchup for him. I'm very fascinated by Kyler Murray 
and what kind of a zone defense the Bills are going to try and play against him. I think we're going to learn a lot. Like I, like if I was going to do a team total in this, I would actually bet the Bills before I would bet the Cardinals as a team total. I just okay. feel more confident about their side of the ball. Where I feel like with the with the Cardinals, you double team DeAndre Hopkins and you make Christian Kirk beat you. Whereas I look at the Bills and I go Diggs, John Brown both running backs. I just like a lot more of the options for Josh Allen on that side. Well, I like that. You know, I I, I didn't think about that kind of bet. That's interesting. So I am now 2-0 and this year in team totals. I took Minnesota so Tim team, team totals, the individual, th- which normally aren't posted until closer to daytime, but yes. you'll uh, closer to ga- game time. And those team totals could be an edge there, uh, and especially in this type of a game. I got it last week with with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins because uh, yep. I didn't trust Matt Stafford with COVID. Earlier yeah. this year, I actually took the Colts team total against the Vikings. But I, I think there are some times where I feel really confident about one side and I'm confident about the over two. And I, when I talk about the over, I go, the only thing that scares me is if this thing happens, and that's typically when I go team total on the other side. Cool. I like that. I like that. In other words, you're saying maybe Arizona won't get there, but Buffalo will. So you'll go in there and bet their team total over. Yeah. Very sometimes. We'll, yeah. So we'll, we'll track it this week. We'll see how I do. I'm not that I'm not going to make that one of my bets, but we'll right, track. Right. Okay. Right, uh, so check out the crack wins app. Crack's got a lot of content out there. He's constantly doing things and he's also giving out bets. Crack any final words before you go. No, just have a good weekend. Enjoy the mess. Did you make I- money on the election? No, no, I didn't, didn't, uh, didn't make no money on, on the election. I bet some individual states, and they're still up in the air, I guess. Georgia's okay. up in the air. Yeah, hold on. What are the odds right now in Georgia oh, for oh, those two runoffs? It's funny you say that. They took the odds down the states, but they kept the election odds up. You can go to Betfair right now. By the way, Trump was plus 25 to 1 four days ago. Today, he's plus 9 to 1. Wait, what are you talking about? So, but he's already lost the election. Well, not according to Betfair, because Betfair is taking bets on the election that was Betfair. What were Betfair? What were Betfair's odds beforehand? Uh, well, they, they like when they when they called the election on certain networks. Betfair just said, "Well, we're going to wait till it's officially announced, officially called uh, from the yeah. states, and yeah. maybe if it goes to court or whatever it may be." Listen, I think it's over. To be honest with you, I I think it's thank over. you, crack. It's yeah. over, baby. Yeah. Well, then you know what. That sounds like there's probably good odds then on Biden. I would take the Biden wins then. Biden What's minus he- fourteen to one. You could bet minus fourteen to one. Well, that that Biden will be the official president by uh, the day he gets in. Is that called inauguration day? Or that feels day? like a lock. You're not getting a lot of value there, but that feels like a lock. Yeah, interesting. Cool uh, stuff. But what? Okay, we'll talk about this later. Crack, you're the man, dude. I appreciate you as always. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Big shout out again to my man, Crack Daddy. Download the Crack Wins app. Check it out. Uh, love that guy. Now, Ingber, how do we do last week with our bets? Are you still winless? Yes, I am. Um, as you probably saw on social, I am now tweeting out my Ingber's loser on Sunday mornings because finding a 10 to 1, 11 to 1, 12 to 1 long shot is a lot more fun on Sunday morning when there's player props. There's all sorts of like weird parlays and teasers that come available that are not available when we record on Thursday mornings. So yes. I took... I took Teddy Bridgewater at plus 1,100 to have the most passing yards of the week. I knew there was no chance that that was going to happen. He was going against Mahomes. There was no chance he was going to have the most passing yards in his own game. Yeah, and you you lost. Yeah, and it was over by the mid-third quarter. Mahomes was ahead of him by 170 passing yards. 
How did my three bets, my love, my like, and my list? How was my love? That's the one I care about the most. Minnesota's team total over 28. Woo! Beat the shit out of the Lions. That's the second time this year that I've hit on a team total. First the Colts and the and now the Vikings. Okay, that's good. What was my like? I like this, by the way. This is a, a lesser seen bet. A lot of people like to just do game over uh, game over unders. You know, the, like the the teams yes. together are going to score over fifty five. But if you like a team, you're not sure if they're going to win, but you think they're going to put up points. Yeah, that one was one where it was like I know both of these defense let up points but Stafford's in COVID protocol and I don't want to rely on him. Like one of the things, one of the bets that I would look at again, because the Patriots stink, the Ravens Patriots over under is 43 and a half, right? I don't think that, I don't, I don't, I have no confidence the Patriots could put up more than 10 points, but. But you think that Lamar can. I'm pretty sure that Lamar can. Yeah. And when it's 43 and a half, what you're essentially saying is the Ravens are going to win the game like 24, 17, yes. 25, 18. That. So if, if you can get like the Ravens at 24, 25, I believe that they're going to score four touchdowns. Sure. No let's doubt. put the money on that, not on the game. What was my second bet? My like? Uh, the Giants plus three. Nailed it. Won the game. However, my long shot Washington divisional winners is trash. And then my list, what was my last bet? Uh, you like the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts. You like the over, it was at 47. One of the dumber bets I've made. Yeah, it was 24-10. Was really that was kind of one of those like listless, uh, no yeah. offense kind of Ugh. slugfest games. Yeah. Hated that. Don't know why I did it. Hated it within two seconds of the game starting. Okay. By the way, over-unders um, are now down to like 52% on the year. They were at 70% not so so, so long ago, but we knew that under-Palooza was going to happen. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And it's still it's still fun to bet overs, if we're going to be honest. Um, as I look over and I think about some of the bets we've talked about today, I do kind of want to list San Francisco plus nine just to say that I did it. Okay. I want to do it just to say that I did it. Backdoor cover potential is just massive with plus nine. You could be getting your ass kicked and still cover. Man. I will say this, though. The Saints are a sneaky, sneaky team for a lot of these uh, season-long bets if you want to get on it now for conferences and stuff like that. Mm. Don't look now. New Orleans is tied for the lead right now in in the conference at six and two with Seattle. Seattle, they still got the Rams. They still got the Cardinals, all that. Green Bay, there's a lot of holes there. If New Orleans gets the first seed, Lefko won't be that crazy anymore. You know what I mean? Like I felt fucking crazy weeks three and four, Ingber, about taking the Saints and talk about Drew Brees. Like you look at the Saints schedule, they play the Falcons twice. Like the, my my Saints season-long bets aren't looking as crazy. I was worried about myself for a while. I thought I lost it. it it's so easy to take swings. They were, what are they? They were one and two at one point, right? And then they just... Oh, they, they were so bad. <laughs> it's so easy to, to question everything after two weeks because all you do is talk about it every day for an entire week. But if it was the NBA and you were one and two, you'd be, you'd be able to write that shit by Saturday. Here are the four other bets that I am trying to figure out where to put in my love and my life. Are you so locking Ingber, in San gonna, Fran plus nine then? That is going to be my list because I just want it on the record. You help me figure out. I'm going to send you my, I'm going to tell you my pitches yeah. and you tell me if you like it or not. So that you can blame I'm me gonna later start, if they lose. That's why you're here. <laughs> Chicago, Minnesota, Monday night football. Number one, 
Kirk Cousins is historically bad in prime time. Number two, Kirk Cousins is historically bad against the Chicago Bears. Very bad. I really like the Bears plus two and a half. Talk about a home dog coming. Oh, no. So, yeah, the Bears coming off of a loss against the Tennessee Titans, the Vikings coming off of a win, and they're favored. They're favored. You get the home dog Bears. I'm a big fan of Nick Foles and Jimmy Graham and all those guys riding the ship. Dalvin Cook corralled. That's one of them that I like. I really like Seattle plus one and a half. We talked about this. Seattle coming off of a loss, playing against a Rams team off of a bye. I do not think that bye weeks are good for teams that are getting the ball rolling. I also think that Seattle, I think they can outscore Jared Goff and that team. That's my second one that I like. Third one that I like, Arizona Buffalo over 56 and a half. This is a game in the 30s. This is a game that I think might touch 70. What about Buffalo's, like Kyler Murray is my only concern here and and whether or not Buffalo's going to be able to kind of game plan for them. Um, I will say that DeAndre Hopkins always went off when he was with Houston against Buffalo. He does very well against uh, uh, their number one quarter, whose name is slipping my mind right now. But Arizona Buffalo in the desert, four o'clock game, John Brown, Stefan Diggs. I think they all go off. I, I want to root for that game. And then the other one is Philadelphia Giants over 44 and a half. My only concern is that the last of the last four games where it's been Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz after a bye, they've lost three of the last four and their offense has started really, really slow in all of those games. I went back and just looked at the box scores and I was like, this is one of those Eagles games where they're playing to the level of their opponent and I hate everything about it. As I'm saying that, take that one off the board. I don't like, I didn't even like the way that was coming out. Chicago, Seattle, Arizona, Buffalo over. Ingber, as I say that to you, which ones, as you hear it, digest it back to me? Uh, the Arizona Buffalo over of 56 and a half is the one that I find interesting. Um, I, I, you know, I love the Ralph Michael stat, uh, stats from Twitter. This guy, he just, what a great Twitter follow. I don't know this. What's that? I don't know these stuff. Well, he's great. Uh, he, he had this great stat about the totals, the over under this year. That if the total starts, if the line is 48, the over is actually only hitting at 47%. But if the line starts at 48 and a half or above, guess what the over is? Mm. 54. 67% this year. Wait, wait. If the over has started at 48 and a half or more, the over is hitting at, at what? 66.7% this year. So what that's saying- Two out of three. What that's saying is that- the games that are supposed to be defensive slugfests turn out to be defensive slugfests. The games that are supposed to be offensive craziness turn into even more offensive craziness. Mm, that's wild. Okay. Am I going to bet with Nick Foles or Russell Wilson? I'm going to make my like the Arizona Buffalo over 56 and a half. Uh, second time I've been motivated by something Ingber has said. Nice. Dangerous. He's he's literally winless this year. I don't know if by that's design. I know it's by design. <laughs> it's still a good line. 
And I, I'm going to take Seattle plus one and a half as my love. Great. And I'm going to leave off Nick Foles and the Bears, but just know that I was a big fan of the Bears plus two and a half. And can I give you, this isn't my Ingber's loser, but can I give you my favorite bet of the week? Oof. Yeah. Giants. This Eagles. is the rare, this is the rare Ingber's lock of the year of the century. It is in no way a lock. It's just something that. It's would, the lock of the century. It's something that I am absolutely going to put $5 down because I could so see it happen. He's putting his entire bankroll on this game. We're going to put 0.03 units on this. Giants Eagles plus 5,500 to tie. You're a sicko. (laughs) I would. Now, I'll say this. This is where I'm torn. My betting brain says Giants. My Eagles brain goes, I want to continuously beat the Giants. It's the one consistency I have in life. This is a non-betting thing. If the Eagles play Alshon Jeffrey over... Travis Fulgham or Jalen Rager this weekend, I am officially a Chiefs fan. That if they come out this weekend and if he's not taking Greg Ward snaps or um, high tower snaps, if he is playing over Fulgham or Rager, we riot. Just wanted to say that. Uh, in my grid, It's like I if you're a Patriots fan and they're not playing Jacoby Myers next week, you should not watch the team anymore. In our Gridiron Picks League, one of the questions was, who's going to have the most receiving yards in that game? I chose Fulgham. Am I silly for doing so? No, I love Fulgham. Everything in my life relies on him. (laughs) Uh, I could also see, it. it really, the question will be, who do the Giants put Bradbury on? And it's the other guy that's going to hit it. Because Bradbury has been unbelievable this season. Uh, I am low-key. I'm always low-key a Giants fan. It's very odd. Every year I end up finding a reason to like them. But I'm just scarred as a child. Ingber, this was fun as always. On the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man, for David Ingber. Best weight loss tip I ever learned. If you think you're hungry, chug some water and wait 20 minutes. Mm. That's pretty good. Take that advice. I got nothing else. Often don't. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great weekend. Good luck with your bets. Good luck with fantasy. Good luck with DFS. I hope your sports cards are going up in value, and I hope everybody is staying safe. I know that you want to get your life back to normal. Just take a break, man. Just don't really go out and do a lot of shit. Just being honest. It's not a great time. Let's be smart. Love you guys. Peace.